Craft Beer Radio, episode 410, on January 21st, 2017. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio. This is The Amps with Pacer. And this is an old song, but it's a good one. And here we have in front of us a couple Boston beers. One, I think, a... a Texas, uh, New Mexico, Arizona, Arizona, Arizona. Thank you, Arizona, not Australia. Beer, <laughs> uh, a long trail, and uh, one that given us uh, some solar west. So, where do we start? Where do we? Start? We got um, this is Vickle beer <coughs> from uh, Night Shift. I think we should start there. All right. Yeah, we've had very good luck with Night Shift. Oh, Night Shift has been bonkers yeah. good. So we're actually going to do two tonight. This is the last uh, get them out of the fridge. But Greg brought these night shift back from Boston, and we had some the last time that you were up there as well. Yeah. I think you brought some back the last time, or someone else sent us some. But I have been completely impressed by night shift. So this one, actually, this one is not on their website. Uh, I thought it was. I'm gonna have to look it up. Is it K E H L? K E H L. Yes, it says uh, Zwickle Beer Style Lager from Night Shift Brewing. I don't think there's any, there's no description on the label other than the, those words and then everything else that's federally mandated. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, apparently this was a Zwickle beer that was a very big hit during uh, Oktoberfest and they brought it back. It was canned on December 9th. Okay. So Zwickle beer, the last one I remember having, I believe we had one at, uh, from uh, Florian's place in uh, in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, Florian is uh, what's what's the name of his Urban Chestnut. Urban Chestnut. So let's see, a Zwickle beer or or a Keller beer uh, is a unfiltered, unpasteurized. Uh, their matured beer is exposed in deep vaults. Bitterness can be high and alcohol will vary. So I'm not... I caught a cold a couple days ago. So I, my aroma senses are mm-hmm. going to be not the greatest today. It's interesting. It, it, I can't... Hmm. I can't really pick out much traditional hopping or malting from this. The color is... I don't know if you got into the color, but it's sort of a uh, darker amber. It's not uh, it's it's translucent, but it's not transparent. So yeah, there's a haze to it. I mean, a lot of Keller beers, you know, um, <coughs> these cellar beers are, tend to be that way. I'm going to try to refresh my memory here on exactly what is Keller slash Zwickel and what is not. But what I think it is. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Is kind of, uh, you know, beer that has been aged in the, the, the lagering cellar, but kind of served, you know, right off of that as opposed to, you know, going through and. Um, There's obviously no filtering going on here. Right. Obviously, no filtering. Like, so it doesn't necessarily move to, like, it doesn't spend. Or maybe, yeah, it doesn't spend, like, that full lagering thing, like, where it's, you know, clarifying and things like that. So the, the thing that's coming through to me most 
is kind of a sour dough like pretzel. And a little bit of a kind of a marmalade-ish hop note. All right, so Zwickel beer is unfiltered and unpasteurized, but unlike Keller beer, the maturation casks or modern tanks are bunged or capped. Uh, okay, so they're adding um, the pressure, or they're adding the carbonation naturally in the final fermentation with the Zwickel beer. Okay. It seems to be. At least that's what this article from the German Beer Institute is saying. So... It's just like when you bottle condition homebrew, right? You're using the ferment, the final fermentation to carbonate the mm-hmm. beer. It sounds like that's how they're carbonating the Zwickel beer. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to be pulling tons of nuanced flavors tonight. I mean, this tastes good, but it tastes beery to me. So <laughs> yeah, the... I guess the the press a little bit of a <coughs> excuse me, a little bit of a saltiness kind of comes through at the end. That is sort of reminiscent of, of pretzelish. Um, okay, here's a I'm, all right. So yeah, Keller beer is also aged for months, whereas Vickel beer, as soon as it's fermented and carbonated, it's typically served. I would say it's pretty yeasty, right? There's a lot of mm-hmm. um, estery stuff that's coming through. Not much that I can really pull out and say, okay, that's banana, that's clove. But there's definitely a lot of uh, yeasty quality here. Yeah, I mean, for me, like I said, my um, my taste buds aren't going to be tuned up to 11 like they have been, you know, other times. I mean, what I'm tasting here is a pretty clean, you know, Ger- I mean, it definitely feels like a German-style lager. Mm-hmm. It has a pretty clean flavor. There's not very many esters in there. But, I mean, there's a few, but it's not like an ale yes, ester. Yeah. I, I do. It has kind of that a fuller mouthfeel, a little bit yeasty. Um, carbonation is relatively fine. It's. It reminds me of, you know, when... I've had Keller beers from, say, Penn Brewing or uh, other places that, you know, kind of specialize in lagers. Uh, I'm having a hard time really pulling <laughs> there's more detail. Um, there's a slight tanginess. It's just slight. Uh, and there is a kind of a hop line through it that is kind of tangerine-esque a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I can I can find that now that you're guiding me. It's kind of an herbal bit to it, a little bit of herbaceousness. Something, something closer to to clover, really, than anything else. It's it's kind of a, a greenish um, clover-like thing. Okay. There's it's interesting. There's there's a, but it's not like it's not super clean and it's not really easy to, to pick out different flavors. It's not just that you're having issues. It's you know uh, it's a little um, it's a little muddy. Okay. Um, which I think is the intention, but it it means that it's it's hard to analyze fully, and um, it's it's yeah. So it's a little a little bit of a of a confusing thing to start out the show with for sure. Yeah, I I kind of hoped that was part of it that this beer wasn't all that expressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm enjoying drinking it. You know, it's just not one that is clear in its expression. It's drinkable. It's a, I, I'm not sure if I really get the hop 
with the rest of the beer. Although maybe without it, it might. I don't know. There's there's a lot. There's some bitterness that's coming through at the end that might also be the hops going on. That I think that without the fruitiness from the hops, that would that bitterness would be really overpowering. But at the same time, if you got rid of that hop tanginess and some of that bitterness, then you might be left with just kind of a kind of muddy yeasty thing. I, mm. I'm, I'm just not sure. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, the hops are apparent. The more I'm drinking this, the more mm-hmm. I'm kind of getting this like orange pith kind of tart. Uh, um, Bitterness, you know, kind of coating my mouth. It definitely feels like an American hop for that. It it, it feels a little confused. It feels a little bit, um, you know, you know what? It, it it kind of feels like a cake that's underdone or something. Like there's <laughs> there's there's flavors that that would have developed had it been given more time. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's the case with this beer, right. but I'm saying that in terms of the 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 way the flavor makes my mouth feel is like. If you taste something that hasn't gotten through all its, or maybe a, a fruit that hasn't really ripened yet, and it's just it that doesn't have the qualities that that you're really looking for in that ultimately, in the ultimate fruit. Like this doesn't have a clean lager taste. That I would want out of a out of a, a lager okay. like this. Just a, this feels a little bit too. It's too much for what's there, and it's too little in terms of the ultimate flavors that I'm looking for. I. I I don't know. I I think this. I'm enjoying this. I think that while I'm not really able to dissect it in minute detail, I'm enjoying drinking this beer. It I don't know. Feels it, like a well put together beer to me. I could I could definitely see me you know tearing through a growler of this. It might change you know a night at 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 the bar, but I wouldn't have another one of these. I would go for something different. I, this it feels like it's trying to pull me to too, too many different ways, uh, and I'm having trouble kind of. Pulling it apart, so no, mm-hmm. this this one isn't isn't really uh, hitting me the right ways. All right, well, night shift. You you got one that, uh, <laughs> that didn't didn't get me right. So what's next? You try this guy. Okay, that's an old ale. Oh, well, let's. <laughs> I say go for it. I mean, it's not like we have a whole like, uh, all right, a lot of other options going on. Flannel trousers, <laughs> flannel trousers from Riverwalk. <clears throat> now they say on their on the label they say English style strong. Um, their website doesn't have much on it, so I went to Rate Beer. Rate Beer has it as an old ale. If you're wondering, I, I go between. Rate beer, beer advocate, you know, other other things. I try to, you know, mix it up mm-hmm. because it's not always the case that uh, one is necessarily better than the other. I mean, an English strong ale and an old ale are practically the same thing. I, I have a hard time drawing a distinction. An old ale, to me, tends to be a, lit, a bit more uh, accepting of oxidation and has kind of more fruity stuff fruity things going on uh, whereas an old ale would tend to be i think a bit more uh, in my just this is my thinking uh, an, an english strong is going to be a bit more um thicker in mouthfeel uh with a bit of a um a bit of a viscous quality and more present alcohol hmm 
okay. <laughs> and that's just sure. what my mind is, is, is thinking. Okay. I kind of lump them together. I, I think they're both... I mean, I think what you described about an old ale is kind of like the classic, delicious, mm-hmm. world-class old ale, but they kind of all fall into the same category to me. So, a color is a very dark brown, not quite black. Uh, has brown highlights. Uh, not much of a head. So Lots we... of banana esters oh, okay. coming off of it. Yeah, I thought I was smelling like prunes and toffee, but after you said banana. And I barely have air thrown through my sinuses, yeah. so. That was the first thing I smelled. You mentioned prunes, and I think there is something of a pruny thing going on here, but. Still, still smell banana, kind of bordering on bubblegumish. This is from Riverwalk, from Newburyport, Massachusetts. Yeah, I'm starting to think that I don't have much uh, <laughs> a resolution to my taste right now. I'm drinking this, and it's kind of foggy around the edges, but I'm like not able to really call things out. I think this cold has me uh, numbed up more than I thought. It's interesting. They say on the on the um, label here that. <clears throat> Brew with authentic English barley and then cold conditions. This is lagered, which is interesting. <coughs> that might make the um, the sort of estuary components come out a little bit cleaner. Uh, the lagering process, it kind of, I, I think it, it tends to like a like a culture. It tends to kind mm-hmm. of split apart because ales tend to be a little fruitier, right. but then the the cold conditioning kind of splits kind of get let some of those fruity notes die and some of them express themselves more. So it kind of sure. splits apart the fruity notes. You know, it's interesting. We talk about how ales are estuary, lagers are less estuary, sometimes more phenolic or whatnot. But when we were in St. Louis for the Anheuser Busch thing and tasting that super fresh Budweiser. When you're drinking such a clean beer, mm-hmm. and also they had us taste uh, like pilot batches from yeah. different yeast strains, the Budweiser yeast versus the Labatt yeast versus mm-hmm. some other things. And it was really surprising how estuary the Budweiser yeast was. Well, keep in mind that the Budweiser, uh, you know, aside from sweetness, there really isn't much flavor profile mm-hmm. to uh, the, the the basic Budweiser. I think it was Bud Light even that we were... Uh, tasting it was either Budweiser or Bud Light was the, was the base beer, or no Bush, right? Wasn't it Bush that was the base beer? Um, it might have been. And so, uh, th- but there really isn't much of a flavor profile there. One of the reasons why uh, Budweiser gets you know credit is because they can make a product with that little uh, taste profile. That if there was something really bad with it, you'd be able to taste it immediately, uh, yeah. and you don't taste truly negative things. You just don't have much taste there at all. But with that little flavor, the yeast compounds that are very lively when they're yet that young definitely do come through. Traditionally, you don't get that young a beer. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. I mean, just remember, that was always striking to me, like how when you're doing a series of ultralight mm-hmm. beers, you can like in like. Big ester is what you hook on for one of these things, you know, which is like the complete opposite for a beer that is so light and lagered and whatnot. You wouldn't expect esters to be a big flavor profile. I mean, look, Anheuser-Busch has been um, 
for all the negative things that we say about them, and we can continue to, they've been very good to us. Well, we do not particularly like the beers that they make, but we it's, are. Well, it's been a, it's it's the educational aspect, <coughs> the benefits right. that we've gained from mm-hmm. the, the educational of going to Idaho, Wyoming, and St. Louis. I mean, they're fantastic. I mean, we've learned things we would have yeah. never learned elsewhere. Their their understanding of beer and and their willingness to educate us, even though we we were not. I don't know about anybody else. I assume for most of them it was the same way. We were not there to be Budweiser cheerleaders. Uh, and they didn't make us into Budweiser cheerleaders. But we were, or at, least, at least the product. We weren't cheerleaders of the product. But we were very appreciative of uh, of their willingness to give us access to some of their equipment and uh, knowledge about beer making. So I had to give up for that. And it, it is impressive. Uh, and like you said, that thing about the yeast thing was a very interesting uh, activity that I don't know how else we would have been able to get that yeah. bit of knowledge. It was, I meant that be a quick little aside, but uh, you know, I, I always thought it was fascinating. So I, I think of that moment often when we are, you know, talking about how estery something is, or when you're talking about like the Kolsch and the conditioning and the esters. You know that I, that moment always comes back to me. Uh, yeah, th- this is, um, I kind of like uh, the way that there's there's prunes coming out of here and there's a little bit of kind of maybe some cherry note or something. Um, I'm liking this. It's not boozy, at least I'm not noticing the booziness. What's the ABV on this guy? Seven and a half. It's a little on the small side for uh, an old ale mm-hmm. or a strong ale. But, you know, it's reasonable and the beer doesn't taste watery. It has a full body to yep. it and... Yeah, if you like the the toffee, the prunes, bananas, pears, things like that, this one's right up your alley. Uh, I don't know if, if, if I'm just reading into it because I saw cold conditioning, but I do feel like the cold conditioning aspect may have helped. I would say it these... tamped down some of the... It, it kind of made... Um, it turned... The plums into prunes. It mm-hmm. turned the caramel into toffee. It right. turned, you know, it kind of dampened the, the parent sweetness, I think, is how I'm tasting it. Yeah, I think so. If, if you think of, of the way that most fruits are going to be sort of a a normal or sort of a par- or parabolic distribution, in t- it turns those into spikes. Uh, it, it takes out the tails, Right, okay. that that lead into the other flavors, so you get these spikes of flavor that are concentrated instead of the the sort of continuums of flavors that are sort of overlapping. I think that that gives you an example of why sort of the flavors sort of tend to stick out more in, in the lager stuff. You know, I was thinking about all these flavor descriptors I just used, and they're really in line with Belgian strong dark ales, the things we've been talking about. You know, but they're in a different degree. Mm-hmm. And to me, they're less in line with what I normally use to describe an old ale or a barley wine or something like that. But what you're not noticing here is you're not noticing sort of the extra sweetness that you'd get right. in but, the ales. You're not noticing the extra mouthfeel. Right. But it's kind of a interesting crossover mm-hmm. where it has a lot of <coughs> characteristics that you would see in these dark caramel... Um, you know, quads, strong darks mm-hmm. from Belgium, but done in an English style. 
and distinctly different from what I picture in my mind as an old ale or a barley wine or an English strong. This was canned on uh, November 16th as a River Rock Brewing, the final trousers. This is a can that would last for years. Yeah, though. yeah. This is, uh, yeah, this is, this is one that it would be, I don't know, it would be interesting to see how, how cans age. Um, th- there's a, like a Jacques Cousteau like explorer <laughs> holding a, uh, the other Riverwalk had the same little submarine yeah. thing, like kind of like a steampunk submarine. It looks like a difference. It looks like a combination between a steampunk submarine and an Apollo capsule. <laughs> <laughs> the guy, he, you know, the guy is, you know, like mid to late sixties, you know, maybe even the seventies type look, you know, and he's smiling and holding up a beer. Half ball. Oh. Well, look look at the submarine again. It's a conical fermenter. Oh, of course. Ta-da. Of course. Sneaky. There's a lot to like here. Yeah. Like I said, you know, it's 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 interesting. It's if you if you. Uh, ten, if you like the flavors in quads, but you think that extra floralness, you know, mm-hmm. that sweetness is too much, you find it kind of sweet. This is that, but toned down. So if you want a drier version of that, mm. this seems like a really great way to go. But it has a lot of carbonation, so it has that similar mm-hmm. aspect yeah. to it. All right. All right, so let's go from the old ale back to the pilsner. All right, that's quite a leap because we, you know, planned the show <laughs> so well. Let's drink some water before we jump mm. into that pills. Good call. It's nice to have a dump bucket again. <laughs> I found it when I cleaned out the garage. <laughs> like, hey, there's the dump bucket. Okay, so back to night shift. This is, if I have it here, this is the Pfaffenheck, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, P-F-A-F-F-E-N-H-E-C-K. Um, they call it a traditional pilsner, floor malted German grain, uh, 5.2% alcohol by volume. Neishifter was founded in 2012. Everett, Massachusetts. Call it the German style pills. Which means what? Bavarian? Yes. So it should be like hoppier and crisper mm-hmm. than a Bohemian style. So it's a little hazy, not much. It's a uh, straw color. Grassy notes up front, kind of dry grass. I don't smell a single thing. <laughs> I might as well be smelling an empty glass. <laughs> I've had those days. I will try to be your nose. Yeah, so grassy notes, a little bit of a of a, a spicy hop. Oh, um, I um, I added. 
I don't think I placed the order yet, but I added a new cough button and the barrel aged Spiegel glasses to my Amazon. Oh, order. okay. So where I get those barrel aged Spiegel glasses? How can we not? This is a lifetime warranty. How can we not hit them up? I figure we just get a third one for our guests. Okay, but you should you should still hit them up. Yeah, well, no, I'm gonna hit them up, but I'm gonna get the third one. Uh, so I I know we had a listener who was talking about the prices of the beer tulip versus the mm-hmm. barrel aged. Uh, at least in my Amazon pricing thing, the, I can still get the beer tulips for uh, about forty bucks, and the barrel aged four pack was going to be like forty eight bucks. Interesting. Now, um, was it Nice Beers who mentioned that it, it's a green flash thing, or at least green flash did some work with Spielglau, or there's some cross promotional thing going on for the barrel aged? Yeah. I, I don't know if I saw Green that. Flash calls it a collaboration, but the description okay. on the site description says it's Spielglau. Spielglau. Okay. So, who knows? Oh, maybe I'll check that out before I place the order. I was like, oh, they're more expensive than the glasses we got. We love the glasses we got. But I guess we got to try them. Immediately comes off clean and crisp. Uh, the, the malt comes through a little bit. Oh, there's a, there's a, hmm. Okay. <laughs> kind of a, a honey malt-like okay. character there. Um, sort of like a honey cracker of some sort. And then uh, there's a little bit of a of a spicy noble note hop with a little combination, yeah, kind of a floral aspect there as well. <laughs> I'm laughing because I mean it. I can't I can't pick it out tonight. It's I had no idea my palate was so compromised. <laughs> I mean, what I can taste is, yeah, probably a, a touch of Pilsner malt. I think your honey malt, you know, you're suggesting a ton of stuff to me, but it's also helping me figure out what mm-hmm. I can barely taste. And I think the honey malt's a good call, right? Because it's not that crackery Pilsner malt that yeah. with the more spiciness to it. There's kind of a, a sweet or floral thing going on. But, uh, you know, as much as I can taste, honey malt seems to account for that. And then... It seems lightly hopped to me. I, I could easily be missing it. There's not really a hops are sharp... generally coming through at the end. Uh, you know, it comes through you know crackery and then a little honey, and then comes sort of the hop, the spicy mix with floral bit at the end. Yeah, so I would you know for for a German style pills, I would expect you know a decent or at least a moderate mm-hmm. bite, you know, hop bite, you know, at the end there. Uh, there's enough there if you're looking for it. Okay. Um, it's generally uh, the uh, just a kind of decent drinker. Um, doesn't it, I mean ends pretty wet. It doesn't you know end particularly dry. Mm-hmm. So it, you know it, yeah. it encourages you to keep drinking. It's weird because it starts out kind of dry. It starts out with this sort uh-huh. of crackery dryness, and then it then it opens up and the honey comes through. I'm curious how you feel about the Zwickel beer versus this one. I, th- I thought this Vickle beer was was too muddled and too sort muddled. of confusing. Now, okay. to to your taste buds with your cold, 
there's a lot going on there, so that may have been more pleasing to you because yeah, it to you know where I am right now is Wickle beer was more hearty mm-hmm. to me, you know, and it was kind of a porridge. It, it, it yeah. there was just a lot, of, yeah, a lot of stuff going on there. I felt it was kind of confusing. Okay, yeah, I mean for for me, I thought it was more hearty and full. I felt like I was almost like a almost like a cask beer, you know, like where you get that kind of full-bodied live beer mm-hmm. type essence you know that's what i was getting we're drinking this guy i'm enjoying this guy too i just it's it's i know i'm not tasting the delicateness of this you know i'm missing yeah out. i think i think that's kind of what where my tongue is tuned to today is looking for the the delicate stuff the stuff that can be um presented well uh whereas you know, for you, you know, when you have a cold, you, you kind of just want to taste anything, yeah. and and the fact that you're tasting stuff, even if it's kind of forced upon you, and in fact, some some of the best stuff is like, okay, it's <laughs> forced upon me. At least I can taste it, right? So yeah, if you're in uh, if you're in space, the Kel would probably be good because, as I understand, your taste buds and nose really goes bad in space; doesn't really work as well. Okay, I'm hearing that. Yeah, which is the reason why apparently that. Uh, you can live in such small quarters because the smell of other people doesn't bug you as much because you don't really oh, that's interesting. smell it. I mean, yeah, you're using wet naps to mm-hmm. take a bath for yeah. your 150-day mission. There's not a huge amount of, like, dirt stuff, but there is, I mean... A lot of B.O. A lot of B.O., sure. a lot of other people and skin cells and shit. Recycled air. Yeah. They scrub that stuff so much. Oh, there might be something interesting I'll save for the post show. Yeah, so this um, Faffenheck from Night Shift, I'm, I'm enjoying it, but because of my cold, I'm, I'm missing mm-hmm. all the de- delicate. I do it. think that their ales, particularly their, you know, the, the IPAs that we had were more, yeah, you know, in your face and, and more like. Uh, Hit us in, in our sweet spots, and these are sort of more on the periphery um, of our for pure enjoyment. Not that we don't like a good yeah. I mean, you lager. you know, you generally will really latch onto a well done lager and and rank that very highly. What's deficient? I mean, like, can you like what's how's this compare to one of those lagers that really rings your bell? Uh, I, I think that um, the honey note is is a little bit. Uh, uh, less than uh, ideal for my palate. Um, okay. Not that it's bad, uh, or that I'm not enjoying it, but like a, a true Greg's favorite lager doesn't have that honey note. Okay. Um, and maybe the the hop note is a little bit more noble and spicy as opposed to uh, uh, floral. Okay. Right. Yeah, noble and spicy is a pretty big deal for a German style pills. Yeah. Um. But it's not that far off. Maybe it also maybe it also ends a bit drier. Okay. It's not bad. Not bad at all. By any ma- stretch of the imagination. Okay. Okay. This is stout, right? Yeah, we'll save that for now. Let's try this long trail. So I got this long trail. <laughs> I was uh, 
over my parents' house. My brother still lives with my parents. He's uh, developmentally challenged. Developmentally challenged. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So he lives with my parents. But, and, you know, he's funny with beer. He's not a craft beer guy, mm-hmm. but he's also, he'll drink crappy beer, you know, you know the main label stuff, but, you know, he'll generally buy <coughs> Sam Adams or Shock Top or mm-hmm. something, you know, it's all, to him it's all the next step up, you right. know, no matter who makes it, and I was surprised to see this variety case of Long Trails sitting there, and uh, I forget why I was over there, but we were over there when no one was home. <laughs> And, and Heather's like, hey, look at these. I'm like, I stole a couple beers, my brother. <laughs> so this is the Green Blaze IPA from Long Trail. It contains, it's on it's on their label, the hops that are in there, Columbus Equinox, Chinook, and Mosaic. Uh, 6.5% alcohol by volume, 60 IBU. Uh, pours uh, a... Sort of mid-amber color with uh, about a finger and a half worth of kind of a frothy head. Frothy's head tonight. I mean, so normally, you know, don't consider Long Trail for the show. They just seem a little passe, a little boring. This is but, their chance. This is their chance. No, I'm saying this is their chance to, uh, to gain a slot on the show. You, see, you have a cult, so I don't want to uh, mix, but you, sure. yours is a little bit uh, clearer. clearer than mine. So we'll just have to deal. Doesn't look like there's much yeast at the bottom of the bottle. I wouldn't expect Long Trail would. Uh, I would. I would expect they'd be the kind of brewery that would uh, filter. Long Trail's from Vermont. Blaze a hoppy trail is the slogan for this beer. Green Blaze Blaze marks typically uh, mark ho- hiking trails. So mm. Well, I would expect this to get through your nose at least a little bit. It's funny. It's not. I smell this Vickle beer more than I smell this thing. It's it's pretty. What about mine? Because mine is is a little bit um is is a little, it has more dissolved solids in it. Nothing. I'm going to try to blow my nose. Here. Okay. So the um. There's this hoppiness coming through, but it's kind of sharp and... Oh, I can smell it now. Okay. I blew my nose, now I can smell it. Hey, Holy cow. Imagine that. So hopefully that note, that sound wasn't too disgusting. I really do apologize. I tried to talk a little bit over it. Um, kind of sharp and... Yeah, I mean, I'm... Sm- okay, so I'm still at a deficit, but I'm smelling mango. I'm smelling a little bit of orange peel. Kind of sharp in sort of a spearmint way. Yeah, why don't you smell mine just to compare? Okay. You know, don't touch the glass or yeah. anything. Well, I have to touch the glass, but not the... With your mouth and face. Yeah, smell mine. Yeah, the yeast is, is making it more leafy. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like hop leaf. Yeah, or... yeah. More minty and strong on my side. <laughs> Sorry, I can't blend. You don't want my bug. Mm-hmm. We have enough. I'm dealing enough with it with this. <laughs> the end of this bug already. Um, I'm doing less coughing than, than I than I was. So, 
I'm sure talking about it really helps. Well, that's the thing is, is focusing I don't, on that I mean, I don't talk to the extent that I do on the show that much. I mean, no, no, I'm talking about the tickle in the back of your throat that makes you cough is going to make you cough more because you're focusing on this, what I was saying. Oh. At least for me, it does. Yeah, I mean, I don't really, what I'm talking about, I don't necessarily think about it, but it is true that uh, I talk more doing this show than I do in general, so that brings out the coughing. And if I was standing, I bet I wouldn't cough as much either. Let me try something. You gotta stand up here. Uh, you might have to loosen the yeah. the other way. Oh. Oh, let me mute the mic here. Here, I'll, I'll take you down. There okay. you go. Greg is. He set up a standing workstation for CBR. Look there at that. Go. All right. As soon as he's done cranking that mic stand, I'm gonna tune him back in here. There you go. All right, so all right, so now I feel he's he's lording over me. Now. You like it? <laughs> Lean in; that really helps. I do have a little bit residual stuff, so let me try to cough that away. <coughs> all right, so what I'm tasting with the long trail is a kind of a bready bread crust maltiness. Uh, for me, the mosaic is there. It's probably not as bright and robust as other examples you know like the the, the noteworthy examples of mosaic but i mean it, it's it's in there it's um there's there's a little bit of like peach skin as well so there's like this bitterness that you know when you get a truly tropical ipa you you don't it it just seems sweet and luscious. You don't yeah, get there's this, not a lot of pithiness. You don't or... get a pithiness or astringency or anything like that. And with this one, I'm kind of getting this pithiness, like a peach skin, like that fuzzy, hairy peach skin that's a little bit bitter. I'm getting that as well. This feels kind of like a two and a quarter IPA. It's, like, <laughs> it's starting on its way to being a little bit more of the tropical stuff, but it still loves that Chinook. It loves yeah. that uh, that resiny stuff, and it loves that... The, those those piney notes and those those pithy notes. Yeah, I mean this has Columbus and Chinook as as well as the equinox mm-hmm. and the mosaic. So they're taking the long trail <laughs> to phase three, and they're taking a while to get there. Because um, the, the 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 mango stuff isn't. I mean, for at least my sample, the mango stuff is not really coming through very much. The 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 pine is is really very apparent uh as really piney i think and that is is the principal thing that's coming through i i can taste that as well it's uh the lingering bitterness kind of hangs around the sides of your tongue Mm -hmm. it's not like super sappy resiny pine but there's like kind of a almost like a a, like a pine tea like if you took needles when i was a kid i had this like sesame street scratch and smell book and there was yeah. a pine page. Yeah. And while that was a little over the top, there's some notes in that scratch mm-hmm. and smell book. And I remember the pine tree page was my favorite page because it was the most aromatic of all the scratches. It's, it was the ones that, that one probably lasted the longest too. Like I remember that that pine smell, you could probably go back to it years later right. and it's still there. Yeah. The one that was weirdest to me was pizza. Pizza never smelled right. <laughs> There's always stuff that say, oh, this smells like pizza. It just kind of smelled like, I, I have no idea what it was supposed to be. <laughs> I wonder if they still make scratch and smell books. 
I don't see any reason why they shouldn't. The interesting thing would be if, if the scratches smelled. But my kids don't have any. That's the thing. I have kids, right? right. So I should you be. You do? I should be a little tuned in, and I, I haven't even considered. I'm going to have to ask Heather, like, mm. have you seen any scratch and smell books around? They call them scratch and smell here? Normally they're scratch and sniff, weren't they? Oh, maybe. We're Pittsburghers. We call them scratch and smell. Scratch and smell. At least that's what I call them. It could have easily said scratch and sniff on the cover. And it's like the, maybe it's like the Berenstein Bears thing. It's Could be. <laughs> or my mom just decided to call it something else and I never questioned her. Well, let's say you were looking for a scratch and, and sniff book. or a scratch and smell book. i got to remember that this, uh, this intro music this comes in a lot harder than the other one. Yeah, find new one. Uh, the best place to go to find all the stuff you're looking for, including your scratches in, is to go to craftbeeradio.com slash Amazon. Then you'll go directly to Amazon. You'll be able to buy all the stuff you want at all the same prices you like. And 6%, perhaps more if a whole bunch of you do it, of what you spend will go to support the show as opposed to support Jeff Bezos and the Washington Post and his space launch stuff. All that stuff is really important. Instead, it'll go to us <laughs> for us to do uh, various things on our show. Like, we're, we're planning on a, a trip someplace to go um, to beering, which might not happen this year based on <laughs> various other things. They had to wait till next year for oh, that. The surgery and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, or maybe we'll get new microphones. Um, look into that still. Uh, maybe we'll. Um, it, all the money goes right into the show. It doesn't go. Maybe it goes to buy beer. But it does not go into our pockets. So, um... The Essential Scratch and Sniff Guide to Becoming a Wine Expert. Take a whiff of that. So there is a Scratch and Sniff Wine book on Amazon. There you go. Not not endorsed by Craft Beer Radio. No. There's also, if you go to our website at craftbeerradio.com... Oh, wait! The, scra- the Essential Scratch and Sniff Guide to Becoming a Whiskey Know-It-All. Not still, a whiskey expert. Still not beer. A whiskey know-it-all. Uh... Okay, um, if you go to our website at craftbeery.com, there is a so-called Amazon store that has some items that we like, and maybe we'll put some more stuff on there uh, if we find them, including the Spielberg glasses that we talked about and some various other things like Xylus stoppers that we use, among others. So thank you for supporting us, and uh, that's all I got. Yeah, so scratches if uh, books are still a thing, but... I don't know. It's just not quite like as prevalent as I remember. Like some of these things are kind of well. Like, it, it's it's old tech at this point, right? The scratch as if book of weed, nineteen ninety five. Well, I I think what's interesting is that now there's technology. I, you don't have to show it to me. I believe you. Uh, now there's technology to you know creates um, smells and stuff, right? I remember yeah. there was at some point some device that was being shipped out that would. Go with computers that they could make sense of, you know, smells for various yeah. things. Like a VR aromatic yeah. thing. All right, so do you want to do the Imperial Coffee Stout or the Sour Porter? I kind of think we should go with the Sour Porter because the Imperial Coffee is probably going to maybe just okay. hurt our, our perceptions of, of the Sour Porter. I should say Wild Porter, not Sour Porter. True. Because this is... This is one of the things about Cellar West is they don't do sour beers. They do Breton beers. Mm-hmm. 
So again, this was provided to us by Seller West. This is God's Eye. Hold on a second, let me do another clean of my glass here. God's Eye is a wild porter and is crafted uh, with Pilsner malt, blue ballad malt, chocolate wheat malt, flaked oats, flaked rye, and midnight wheat. <coughs> then aged on blackberries. Uh, Seriously? Yeah. Fermented in ancient oak barrels for several months with their wild yeast culture. Then bottle conditioned. 7.1% alcohol by volume. 15 IBU. We should have no stratification this time because I split the pour <laughs> like six different times. The color is very, very, very black. It's harder for me to get highlights when I'm up this high close to the ceiling. Um, and it really doesn't look like to do much in the way of highlights. So just black, that finger, two fingers worth of fluffy head. So it says this porter was fermented in oak barrels with their wild yeast culture. That's kind of their modus operandi. You need to do right? another blow of your nose. I'm guessing. I can do that. So my smell is blackberries, first of all, coming through. But so Cellar West, the, two things. Lots of oak barrels. Not necessarily like fresh bourbon. Not bourbon barrels, but mm-hmm. just oak. And then they're... Wild yeast cultures, their breath, their it seems like breath's their main thing. There's a lot of malts in here, though Pilsner, Blue Ballad, Chocolate Wheat, Flaked Oats, Flaked Rye, Midnight Wheat. Turn my mic down. This Turn is really snail. Oh, you're sitting down. <laughs> You get to see how the sausage is made on Craft Beer Radio here. Right. Yeah, not helping as much as I thought it would. <laughs> Back to the seat. <laughs> the cushy chair. Bit of oaky stuff too. Blueberries. It's a little cold still. We did pull this out at the end of the pre-show. Because yeah. we had to swap out a beer. We had... Um, beer from yards brewing it was a cicada ipa don't get too excited because it apparently doesn't have any insects in it which i hoped it had insects in it and then it turned out the beer is like two and a half years old (laughs) ipa so not something we should really put on the show because that thing is going to be hop faded. It's not going to be as a brewer intended. It was unable for you to get a copy of it anyway. Exactly. <laughs> An example of it. So we put out the Cellar West to make the show. So we're kind of cupping our hands around our beer tulips from Spiegelow. Yeah, so I'm still getting 56, which means the beer inside is like 52, which is pretty cold. Yeah, heat that puppy up. So, yeah, my nose... It's going to take a few minutes. You know, like when you blow your nose, mm-hmm. when you have a cold, right? You clean out the material, but then it swells up and you yep. kind of get stuffed up. So now I have to wait for that swelling to go down. <laughs> <clears throat> Any uh, beer news? There was some. Let me see if I can find. You you, you said that thing about a Fernet beer? Fernet beer? Yes. I don't even know what Fernet. It's, it's like a, I thought it was like a, 
a, like a sours or a mixer type thing or something like that. Well, I mean, there, there's there's some alcohols based on it in in like Chicago. Oh, that's that's the Chicago thing. Yeah, I believe so. Okay, I remember reading about this gross Chicago spirit. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how it's gross, but I remember people talking about it being gross. And I'm like, I want to try that, and then I forgot about it. So. But that was for it. For it. For it. I believe that was for it. Yes. Okay. Um. Here's a page here. Okay. Now is the Fernet beer is <coughs> from Pace Magazine. Uh, Chicago's Forbidden Root. Yeah, so it is Chicago. Uh, has brewed up a collaboration beer between a brewery and the producers of Fernet Braca. Uh, so Amaro, is that the liquor you're thinking of? Amaro. Amaro. I have no idea. All right, so it it's the, the brew itself is eight point four percent includes things like saffron rhubarb root wormwood and a number of other herbs and spices typically found in fernet branca okay uh so it sounds like a bitter yeah my guess a bitter is thing bitter thing with some interesting uh comp- complexities so i mean there are lots of things that in our Youth as in, in our beer youth, we would have described as gross that we now think are very, very delicious. Uh-huh. So it wouldn't surprise me that, that um, you know, as you get used to something, you, you learn to appreciate the nuances there. Or you can you can actually uh, discern yeah. different things. I mean, think of coffee, right? I mean, that's an example yeah. everyone can appreciate who's, who's learned to drink coffee. You know, at first it's just bitter. You got to put sugar in it, mm-hmm. and you know, if you beer, same kind of thing. You know, if first sip of beer you have, you're not going to be able to taste the nuances that you can today after working on it. So, uh, an example of the opposite would be something like Jägermeister, where uh, <laughs> they make a point to serve it as cold as possible. Because of how gross it is. <laughs> I guess I haven't had Jaeger in forever. It's like cinnamon, right? <coughs> no, it's like anise. Anise, that's it's it. really licorice. Uh and uh it is really, really gross. Now it has relatively high in alcohol, so it gets you drunk, which is why it's really yeah. Uh-huh. You know why the kids like it so much. But they now you know, they have devices that that, that have it make it come out super super cold because that makes it less disgusting um couldn't you just use less anise to make it less disgusting uh i i i'm guessing the anise is there to hide the alcohol burning (laughs) okay (laughs) so you're making it more disgusting to take away from the the burning yeah right I think that's why. I mean, I'm no expert on on Jägermeister, and I wouldn't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> now you got me thinking. I need to have like a Jäger bomb. <laughs> I, I would. I would. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to trying it again. 
um, for the sake of trying it, I, I wouldn't, I, I would be opposed. To, well, I would be opposed to just being like, hey, have a Jaeger Meister, but I wouldn't be opposed to sort of like being in that analysis mode and, and, and going after So we're going to have to get an airline bottle of Jaeger Meister and do it on the show, is what you're saying. No, 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 no. We can just get one of those little <laughs> airline bottles. Oh, yeah, airline bottle. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd be happy to do that. We should buy all, all the like mainstream shitty liquors and airline bottles and do a show. <laughs> it would be interesting. I mean, that would we've done uh, non-beer shows in the past. Uh, we've done things that are beers technically, but aren't like sake, which is a, is a beer for for most intents and purposes. Right. Why don't we do another sake show? Because now there are a lot more sakes available. Yeah, yeah, we can definitely find some more. Good idea. All right, so the cellar west should be nice and warm by now. I'm at 67 degrees. Wow. I got hot hands, baby. <laughs> yeah, I'm at 64. So that, that's good. That's surface temp, but that yeah, means... So when I smell it with my stuffed upness, I was kind of getting like blueberries, cocoa, but really not much... No, I, I couldn't get much deeper than that. On the flavor, why don't you go first, and then I can just play. Mm. I can play off of you since I know I'm handicapped. Mm. Oh, okay. I need to have another sip. Okay. Oh, well, you're talking. There's a bit of a blueberry, kind of like blueberry skins, or, you know, like the underripe blueberry, where they're kind of a little more tart and not as sweet. I'm getting that. Uh, it kind of goes into, it's very minerally. There's a little bit of chalkiness there. I'm not, I can't taste any kind of funky leather or, you know, like the bread really getting too sour. The bread seems kind of clean to me in this one. Maybe I'm missing mm-hmm. it. I agree with you. The Brett is not as pronounced in terms of its dusty qualities. <clears throat> the um, star stuff was kind of with with a blueberry, like you said, blueberry skin, um, a little a little kind of tartness. Uh, hits a kind of dusty chocolate note, um, and kind of rides that into an oakiness, uh, and uh, finishes with a little bit of sort of a blueberry. Kind of a a, a wine, oh uh, yeah, there's wine like kind of a dry yeah, like cab or Marlowe or mm-hmm. you know, I guess dry Marlowe is kind of oxymoron. So that's not what I meant. You know, put that at my lack of wine knowledge. But uh, yeah, kind of like a, a tobaccoy cab or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, and and there's definitely a. Uh, uh, a vanilla oaky kind of undertone um, to it going on. It's um, the, the, so the thing that to me that makes it not very. I mean, there's some neat wine flavors, mm-hmm. but it has it doesn't finish. How do I want to describe this? It, it has like dry type flavors, but it's not a dry beer. Okay. You know, like like I'm tasting flavors that I would expect the beer to be exceedingly dry, right? But it's it's it. I guess it's only slightly dry. 
you know like there's some sweetness that lingers around and floats around too so it it it's it's kind of this weird presentation of extra brute extra dry flavors but not the beer isn't all that dry so i kind of really like the the opening and kind of ending flavors in the middle feels like it gets a little a little muddled but i like it more than the last beer uh, from cellar west um i think it's more distinctive i think there's more interesting mm-hmm. uh flavors and and uh even like textures uh, coming out of it yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think so. I had a bit of a, I had a bit of a preconception with the last beer. You know, it was calling itself a saison. So there's a thing I want with that saison, mm-hmm. and and I was left a little bit. I was left wanting for sure. With this one, you know, I'm definitely satisfied. You know, this wild porter. It's not crazy wild. It's not you know horse blanket. Right. It's not musty leather but it has that kind of like i said like a dark cherry raspberry cabernet type flavor with yeah. some tobacco in there as well it has a really nice complex wine type flavors that are i think maybe some of that stuff is attributed to the barrel maybe i need to re-examine what i tasted at cabernet a cab sauvignon and figure out what part of that is actually for the barrels. Maybe I've never really... I, actually, I shouldn't say maybe. I've never really tried to consider that. There's kind of a, a homey quality to it. Kind of like the... Like, like to, to the fit to like the finish for the the end mouth like a like a homemade stew like like feels kind of homey uh feels very like a welcoming kind of um embrace that I appreciate it it, it also seems you know with the blueberries and really you know at this point drinking through most of my sample I'm not really tasting the fruit flavors anymore mm-hmm. but what I am tasting is has this feel of I don't know, I'm trying to figure out how to describe it. It's along the lines of uh, a milk stout or something like that. There's like a nice body to it. Well, there well, I think is... if I could interrupt you, but I, I feel like there's a pretty decent porter there underneath it all that the, the flavors were sort of attached, layered upon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's good. I like to see that because right. sometimes when these things are called something... Um, Sometimes when you see beers, you know, like a, a, a flavored porter or some fruit in a porter, you're like, well, where's the porter part? I, you know, I want to taste that. I'm thinking of um, a couple weeks ago when we had, we have some porter that was like, well, where's the, where's the porter? <laughs> yeah, it was more like brown ale. Yeah. If, if barely. Yeah, I don't remember which one that was, but yeah, I remember the sentiment. Uh, there was a beer I had over Thanksgiving that reminds me of this. And this is... It, this beer gets mixed reviews, but I liked it. Uh, Founders Brewing. They make these big, sweet, fruity stouts and things. Like I think we did Big Luscious on the show, mm-hmm. and we did not like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Work Beer Club for Thanksgiving, I did, we did large format bottles. Beers for sharing at Thanksgiving dinner type was the, was the theme of the thing. One of the beers I picked out was from Founders was uh, Lizard of Cause, which was, think of Big Luscious, but blueberries. So like blueberry milk chocolate stout type thing. It was pretty sweet, 
But it was delicious. Mm. I really dug the beer. And not everyone feels that way. but for, And I was surprised that I dug the beer as much as I did. I thought it was great. It was expensive. Those those big format bottles from Founders tend to be expensive. But I thought it was great. And uh, the blueberry flavors in that. Well, that it was more intense than the Founders beer. You know, this is taking me back to that beer. There's some very similar notes from this one as well. If you know, if wild porter, if you're looking for the funk, you may be disappointed. But this one is nuanced. Yeah. This mm-hmm. one, I, I'm not. I'm not doing this as a, a backhanded slap. I'm saying, Seller West, I think, did some really cool stuff with being just barely wild, just yeah. barely sour. I, I, now I'd like to see what happens as as the culture grows and as they experiment with different cultures and and maybe you know. Maybe try to go a little bit more about. Maybe try to go a little sour with this, and 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 see where. See if you can accentuate the blueberry with some sour. Right, but 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 even even though this guy didn't turn out all that sour, mm-hmm. I think that it doesn't have to be. The uh, yeah, I mean, there's enough other things. The oak plus the mm-hmm. blueberries plus the porter, you know, and then with the Brit culture, you know, I, I while it didn't go stinky horse blanket, yeah, it. Uh, it does some neat things. Uh, you know, my criticism, my criticism again would be that the the middle of the flavor is a little bit muddled. But uh, I like the beginning, I like the end, I like sort of the aftertaste. So really, um, I think this is this is very good work. I'm with you. Oh, we still got another beer. I'm like, let's yeah. rank, but no, we got one more beer. Reminds, so uh, you know, Damien, my friend was out. Um, I, I was house sitting last week, and he was out uh, at uh, three three. Springs, I think. No, when uh, seven springs, sorry, seven springs. Okay. <laughs> four plus. You were four springs four, off. Four more springs. Um, he asked me um, this thing: zombie dust beer. Have you reviewed? I was like, uh, yeah, it's been a while, but I guess we had. No, no, said, we've never done zombie. Really? Dust. No. Uh, well, we've done. I'm, I know I've had it before. Uh, have you been to Three Floyd's Brew Pub? I'm sure I've had a GABF or something. I don't think you have. Never had zombie dust? I'm, I'm almost... I'd be shocked if you found some zombie dust out of GBF. I'm pretty sure I've had zombie, zombie dust before. Then he has right. Dark Lord. And I was like, yeah, we, we've had that. It, you know, sometimes better than others. Uh, so I've never had zombie dust. Oh, really? No. I'm almost certain I've had zombie dust before. Lucky you. <laughs> right. So anyway, we'll see... He was at Seven Springs and he found three Floyds? I don't know. All he asked was was whether I've had those. And I, I told him, you know, well, yes and no. Um, Dark Lord, I thought, that's a hard, I said, Dark Lord, that's a hard one to get. Because, <laughs> you know, there's only uh, Dark Lord there, right? Uh, and yeah, it's off and on. I haven't, we haven't had it recently. Oh, we haven't had that thing in eight years. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. But um, yeah, there was one year where it was like kind of watery and just like oh, okay, it's just the first uh, time we had it. It was yeah, it was like a melted chocolate milkshake. No, the the first time was the one where it wasn't. No, no, the first time was great. The second time was eh. no. You're wrong. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. No, you're wrong. Because we had it and we were like, what's the what, what's the big deal? And then somebody sent us one that was the motor oil. They were like, oh, okay, this is really interesting. I remember the opposite, but 
I'm not going to argue. You have a cold. What do you know? I do. Yeah. <laughs> we did the, that uh, replay it's thing. It's affecting from, your brain. We from, did that TiVo memory yeah. thing from Black Mirror. The show, we have recorded the show, you know. It's too hard to find. We need some audio indexing, <laughs> which isn't too expensive. Amazon actually has that. I could upload this stuff to AWS and have it indexed, but it is expensive. Really? Right now. I mean, in five years, it's going to be practically free. But today, not cheap. I know that on... For the the number of hours that we have, yeah, that's the problem. That's true, but one of the cool things is, like, I know that um, with my phone, when I get uh, um, when I get voicemails, there's uh-huh. a transcript of them. Yeah, that's really cool. You know, it's not always perfect, but you get an idea of what the heck the person who's calling is asking for. So that before you have to listen to it, so that's cool. The key there is to not even have voicemail on your phone. <laughs> Why is it the key? Because voicemail sucks. That doesn't really help with the whole translation, you know, thing I was talking about. <laughs> that that's really not the key to it at all. So this is from Sun Up Brewing, uh, their White Russian Imperial Stout. Sun Up Brewing. Sounds like you said Summit. Sun, Sun Up Brewing, right? Uh, the the key to this is is that uh, it, it, the, the key to this is that it's a computer. The key to this beer is that it's a computer with a hole in it. <laughs> All right. Well, they call it White Russian. It's an Imperial Coffee Stout, and this beer was shelved at the store where Greg bought it on November 24th. Hopefully, being that it's a big stout, it shouldn't matter too much. Well, here's the can date. It was canned October 5th. Okay. Well, that's not that, that bad for a stout. Especially a, a 9.4% alcohol by volume stout? Yes, sir. Um, 65 IBU. The tone is sun up in. I'm trying to find it. The, the, the contrast on their kit here is not so great. Is Silver on yellow. No, that's chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I smelled was weirdly peppers, but then... 9.3 ABV? No, it's chocolate. Phoenix. Lots of chocolate. Phoenix. Vanilla. Lots of vanilla. Lots of cocoa. Pardon my nose blow. And so looking for some of the information here, and there's not a lot. There's a bunch of stuff about, you know, what you should be smelling, which is not really that important because it matters what we smell. Well, what you smell tonight. Yeah. And what it, what flavors it go with, they recommend duck, venison, wild turkey. Wild turkey. They're in, they're in Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, goose aged, aged, man. <laughs> aged cheese, just like Gouda, Parmesan, or sharp cheddar. Have you ever had goose? Goose is not good. It's very gamey. <laughs> it's like rawhide. <laughs> the goose I've had is like rawhide. It is like 
probably the worst like game that I've ever had is Goose. Mm. Canada Goose. Maybe thinking of like sexy white goose, but Canada Goose is awful. I I, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever had a goose. All I know is the Lonely Island song about boiled goose. <laughs> I am not smelling hardly anything. Blow your nose again. I just did. But now I have that post-blow swelling. Post-blow. We have a name for the the show. Post-blow swelling. That sounds too bad. Um, (laughs) When I taste it, that that pepper thing you were talking about, right? Where the cocoa comes across kind of in that gray area between... Cocoa and capsaicin, you know. Yeah. I, I get it. You know, I, yeah. I feel that not hot, peppery flavor. Right. Capsaicin. Can I tell you something in this script in this description that annoys me? Um, people misusing commas now. I'm not a grammar, you know, crazy. I understand that language changes, but I still get bugged when I see abuse of this nature where um Okay, so the se- so the, the the sentence fragment here begins, this big boy is the big brother in our portfolio with huge copy blah 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 blah. blah. But the sentence says this big boy comma is the big brother in our portfolio. <laughs> this big boy. Comma. Is the brother. <laughs> comma. In the port. There's no comma, extra comma, so, you, so you, you don't have a an Oxford comma situation. So it, 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 there's no need for the comma there, either grammatically or really, or you know, putting a pause this in there. This big boy is the big brother. <laughs> And there's no comma well, after brother. You, yeah, if you're going to do phrasing, you got to put a comma after brother. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you, brother. Thank brother. you. Brother. Cheers. I'm with you, brother. All right. Very sweet. Very sweet. Out of vanilla. Um, this beer can't be too cold, but it tastes cold to me. 61, not cold. But, like, it's pretty closed off. There is some vanilla. So they're calling it White Russian, right? So if you think to White Russian, right, there should be some booziness. Mm-hmm. There should be some cream. Yep, there's definitely cream. There. There's definitely booziness. There's a lot of sweetness. Um, That's pretty much white Russian. Yeah, I mean, not if, if you if you adjust your compass <coughs> to a white Russian, which is you know a sweet, creamy drink, then this kind of works. If you think of this as as a as Great a stout. as a stout, this really feels very sweet. And overdone. But, again, adjust your compass. Think white Russian like the drink. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of works. 
if I because because I'm thinking I was I was gonna I was close to pouring it out. Then you said, "Remember White Russian?" And I thought, "Oh yeah." If I think about it on that term, I think White Russian is still better. Than... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I think of it on those terms, then the sweetness doesn't become as potent to me because I'm looking at it like yeah. a cocktail esque right. thing as opposed to a beer esque thing, and that change of perspective allows my tongue and my my brain to appreciate it more and to be less like oh oh no yeah but i haven't had a white russian since 1999 <laughs> right um the vanilla this is the same problem last week we had with the uh the cinnamon one where the vanilla feels fake i don't know whether it's Real vanilla or not, but it feels overdone. It feels fake. I see. For me, I'm not even able to get that close to the beer. Right? I'm tasting this. I'm actually starting to now. Even even with the white Russian thing, I'm actually starting to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. Let me see if I have. No. Nope. It didn't quite have. A, it didn't. If, you know, if they could have a little more body, a little more lactose, it might come across. You know, more creamy. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't able to pick up much creaminess. I was able to pick this this kind of barky vanilla thing. It almost tasted like 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 just tree bark. I feel bad for Arizona because here in Pittsburgh we've had kind of a nice beer revolution in a sense. We started with some good breweries, but. There were few and far between in terms of what was available, particularly locally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now there are a lot of really good breweries. Now it's such that there are breweries like, you know, Dancing Gnome, where we're like, eh. We might have celebrated them before. Right. And we're like, you know, there's better things out there. Where Arizona seems to be sort of in, in, in kind of that pre, at least from the stuff I've been able to get, there's really not a lot of good stuff. There's Fort Peaks, and they were just bought by... Budweiser, so they bought the right one. They they did buy the right one uh, from what we've tasted, but the rest of it is... there's got to be something out there, you know. It just you know, well, the age of all the beers you brought back was stunning. First off, yeah. I mean, you know, we have a fr- we have a friend brain. out there. Well, uh, Rob, he has a Twitter handle of Olo O L L L L. Not sure how many L's are in there. Three or four. Oh. He uh, he's he's like the Arizona beer guy. He works for the Arizona uh, Brewers Guild mm-hmm. now. But you know, I've I've known him for a bunch of years. I've met him several times at different beer events and whatnot. And, you know, he would be the guy to ask. Mm-hmm. You know about what is what is really going on in Arizona yeah. as opposed to. A couple cans that we picked off the shelf at right. a shitty I mean, store. It's a random sample. Um, it, it, what very well could have been a shitty store, because yeah. look at the age of these beers. Right. Um, it, it's, I mean, the the beer the store I went to in Boston was a store for beer. The place I went to uh, in Arizona was a big wine store that had a beer section. Uh, the place I went to in Boston was... Run by people who love beer. Not the case with the wine store. The the place I went to in Boston had really excellent labeling on everything. 
So my random selection of stuff of just cans was more informed, was more informed and was more likely to get hits than my random selection in Arizona, for sure. On the other hand, that random selection in Arizona, in, in Boston, produced hit after hit after hit after hit after hit. Yeah. And the random selection in Arizona produced miss after miss after miss after miss after miss. So there are lots of other factors, but you can draw some limited conclusions, which is that Arizona is not Boston in terms of being a beer city. <laughs> maybe you were just having a bad day. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe it was you. It, it, <laughs> I can't discount that possibility. I guess All it's right. time to do some rankings. We are on a long show. We are at an hour and 15 minutes already. <laughs> Let's get this over with. I think we both agree on uh, the last beer. Yeah, but we poured out the White Russian. So I think that... But that's what the brewer intended, so there's no reason why we can't rank it. No, no, we can rank it, but I mean... Yeah, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't saying spoiled can. I was saying yeah. we dumped that fucker out. <laughs> it's getting to your brain. It's definitely getting to your brain because you're starting to use the F <laughs> yeah, word. Yeah. Sorry about that. Apologize. Tell your kids in the back that I am actually a nice person. Well, don't uh, Sometimes. Sometimes. You know, for me, you know, with my, my messed up palate tonight, everything is really close. I, I'm curious to see if you have any, like, standouts or, or wide distribution. For me, they're all lumped into a tight pack. Uh, Give me a second here. Okay. Let me, I'll talk about the beers. Okay. You know, they're all... So I'm going to put that sun-up white Russian in, in last place. For a moment, I had fooled myself into thinking, yeah, if you actually want white Russian, you could drink this and be okay. But it really wasn't as good as I remember a white Russian being back when I drank white Russians, you know, in my young and foolish days. Um, in, how many we got here? Six. In fifth place. I've got mine if you if you want it. Sometime. I'm going to do, I'm going to have to do the Pfaffen the heck. From Night Shift. I I just couldn't taste it. Yeah. You know, and hey, that, you know. that is a cold ranking, not mm-hmm. not my personal ranking, but the best I could do. I just it didn't stand out for me. You want me to remark on here, Jeff in parentheses with a cold. With a cold? No, you don't have to. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Um then I'm going <sighs> to put the long trail. Green Blaze IPA. I could taste a little bitty, bitty, bit of mango in there, but the Chinook and the Columbus really kept it from entering that realm of tropical IPA. Third place. Let's see. So these are three beers I liked the best. They're all they're a virtual tie for me tonight with what I could taste. I'm going to do the Kel in third place. This is the uh, Zwickel beer. Uh, That beer was, I mentioned it earlier. Greg thought it was kind of muddy, and I was trying to defend it, saying, like, you know, if I had a growler of that thing, I would would drink it all afternoon. You know, it just, it's not 
a thinking man's beer. It's not one you're going to sit down and annotate and dig into. But I thought that glass went down really well. It was a full body thing. That porridge you mentioned, maybe my palate in its defunct state, <laughs> you know, helps with that. But um, I enjoyed drinking that beer. That's the uh, Night Shift's Kel. In second place, I'm going to put the Riverwalk Flannel Trousers. What I liked about that beer the most was how I thought it was interesting. It was kind of like a juxtaposition where you took that quad, that Belgian strong ale, but you kind of toned down the sharpness of it, the the boisterous stuff. It was kind of like very subdued with the, with the lagering in it. But it, it brought that plum, that pear, that banana, that, you know, things like that were in that beer. Enjoy that. And I'll put the Cellar West in top place. Uh, I just think the complexity of that one, and I wish I had a full palate to really dig in because I feel like I, I could only taste about 60% of that beer. But I liked that blueberry up front. I liked that Cabernet-type flavors in the back where you had that dark fruit. You had the cherries, you know, like the dried cherries. You had the raspberry, the oakiness. You had that stuff in the back. I I thought that beer worked out really well. I'm going to put that in top place tonight. Okay. Well, and Greg is going to tell me how I'm wrong. You're not too wrong. Not tonight. Uh, In sixth place, the Sun Up. Which we both uh, poured out. So, I mean, that tells you all I really need to know, does it? 9.3%, not worth your sobriety. Yeah, really sweet. Uh, if you really like sweet candy stuff that tastes artificial, um, then yeah, I guess. And you want to get drunk off it, go for it, I guess. But not for us. Uh, and number five, fifth place for me is the Kel. Uh, Jeff liked what it was giving. Uh, I didn't. Uh, so much. I thought it was kind of muddled and um, not as clean as I really want from from log, from loggers like that. Uh, the the extra flavors um, that I or, or the flavors I expect from loggers or that I want from loggers were not as apparent as the kind of muddled stuff. Uh, in in fourth place, going to put the long trail. Um, come on, guys, keep keep. I know the trail's long, but uh, I I believe you can get there to that phase three IPA. But you gotta you gotta drop that Chinook and Columbus down a lot. Uh, come on, <laughs> stick with those Equinox and and Mosaic. You can you can get there. You can do it. You can do it. Just give it a shot. Make Equinox great again. <laughs> uh, in third place, Fafenek. Uh There you go. That's clean. That's crisp. That's more what I like. A little bit too much honey okay. uh, in, in there. A little uh, yeah, too... I just couldn't taste that guy yeah. tonight. Um, but uh, still still recommend Night Shift a lot. Uh, their, their, <sighs> their IPAs are fantastic. I mean, you know, people are talking about, like, cult breweries in Boston. Treehouse mm-hmm. always comes up. I don't know. For, we've had a treehouse. Not a bunch, but we've had a treehouse. Night Shift has a really high hit rate. Yeah. I would say if you're in the New England area or you're looking to get New England beers, do not discount Night Shift. They are up there on my list. 
Look like it looks like an owl that has a hop as its body. That's uh, you can get that as, as a label. Uh, in second place, I'm gonna put the Stellar West. Liked it. Um, really did like it. I uh, think that there's room for improvement, but of course, most for most beers, there's room for improvement. Um, uh, I guess just the middle felt a little bit muddled. Muddled is kind of my my phrase for the last uh, two or three episodes. I think that I'm concentrated on the cleaner stuff that to me is is hitting my uh, palate more effectively when it, for whatever reason now, and which is why I think the Riverwalk was number one because I, I think it was know, sharp. It had yeah. really sharp flavors to it. Had sharp flavors that were pretty clean and that were pretty distinct, and and that and that worked for me. And I'm I'm you know I'm kind of a sucker for an old ale. An old ale with distinct and interesting flavors to me is. Uh, gonna, it's gonna generally rank pretty high on my list. So, them's my rankings. That'd be it. All right, everybody. This was a marathon episode, hour and a half almost here. If we drag out the credits for another six, five and a half minutes, we can get the. Let's uh, not. All right. Crappy Radio is a Creative Commons license. Crappy Radio come from our page. If you want to email us, beer at Crappy Radio.com. Hit us up on Twitter at Jeff Barrett. At C B R Greg. That's G R E G. Thanks everyone for listening. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you again later.